Hey everyone, this episode is a rebroadcast from the Pharmacy IT and Me podcast because the pharmacist is Quinn Lee and she is a pharmacist who happens to be in SoCal. Before we get started, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Tony. How are you? I am doing good as well. We are recording on a Friday, which is uh, my day off. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a great time to uh, to talk about pharmacy informatics on day off. And, you know, like just before we get started with some more details about your your role, like in your uh, work experience, uh, can you just tell us a little bit more about like your general details about yourself? Sure. I'm glad to do it. And thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, it's really fun to be here. I have a couple of colleagues that has been interviewed and I listen to them and it's, it has, um, you know, when I listen to them, it has teach me a thing or two and about, you know, the field of informatics and, um, how broad it could be and how we could take it and push it more into the futures with data and machine learning. So just a little bit about myself. I was trained an oncology pharmacist um, and I worked in oncology for a few years together with getting experiences in intensive care and um, OR and all of the others um, you know more intense clinical experiences back in Iowa I moved to uh, San Diego and in San Diego here I take up an interest in learning about technologies especially the EMRs all of the clinical decision support that we could do as pharmacists or as clinicians in general. So it took up a career change to go to become a pharmacy analyst. And eventually I get the opportunity to run the teams who do implementations and support for EMR across shop healthcare systems. After a little while of doing that, I've ventured into the vendor's work and um, started becoming the director of uh, technical product management. And my last post was actually charting out a uh, clinical informatics within uh, the vendor and do informatics and drug information and formulary normalizations. So in short, that I would say that I zigzag through my career because of the love for technology and the curiosities for what we could do with the data that we currently have. Um, and that's basically landed me here talking to you today. Awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool story. And uh, I guess going back a little bit more is that uh, what I, I'm really interested to hear too is that you didn't actually go to um, school, like high school in the US, but you ended up going to pharmacy school here and then going to your career path. So can you kind of like describe about like the big change that you went through, I, I guess, coming from another country and, and come here to, to start your, your career in the pharmacy? Sure, and thank you. You're very kind to ask about that. So, um, as you hear this accent here, it's not an Iowa corn fed accent. <laughs> I came to the U.S. in 1993, and English is my third language. So I um, have been coming from Vietnam in 1993. I actually had just, you know, uh, finished high school in Vietnam two days before we got on a plane and flew across the world to Des Moines, Iowa. So that's where I was. Um, you know, at that at that time, the Diploma from Vietnam cannot be directly transferred to the U.S. You know the equivalent U.S. high school diploma for GED. So I actually went back to high school for two years. I finished the curriculum for high school within two years while learning English. 
graduated after two years of high school and directly go to Drake universities with the pharmacy program. Um, you know, with, uh, within my three and a half, almost four years at Drake, um, I finished the pharmacies program. I also get with me the Master of Business Administrations program. Um, the work was hard. It was accelerated. I remember way back then, I think that if I could start an IV and, you know, pump coffee into my vein, I would do that just to, you know, get through all of the coursework. But it was also fun. I was able to finish, you know, both degrees in about four years. You know, college days are fun to think about. Uh, sometimes I feel like I find myself um, not thinking about it because um, one of the semesters I was taking up to 30 credit hours to, you know, finish school in times and to go out in the world and contribute. I was um, very lucky that I got a great, you know, support um, back in Iowa Methodist um, Medical Center. I got lots and lots of mentors who have been helping me when I was working as a pharmacist intern throughout my going um, to school at Drake Universities. And within these years, I have learned to, you know, do TPMs, calculate all of the nutrition's values to do pain consult. So I was lucky in a way that by the time I graduated from pharmacy school, I've gone through and have hands-on through a lot of the clinical services that our pharmacists will offer. So, you know, Part of that um, experience that I have with the community there had helped me accelerate the learnings and um, basically open my eyes to other careers, um, other options within the career. Wow, that's really cool. So you, you got an MBA as well. And I was curious about like, I, I know that for the clinical part, um, that's mostly the clinical pharmacy piece that you were able to, to work on as you worked as a pharmacist and staff over at, um, I think you said, was it Methodist? Yeah. 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 So, so for your MBA, um, did you find that, you know, your curriculum and what you learned in the MBA, MBA program helpful during your time as a clinical pharmacist or, or was it more like some of these things were applied when you started going more to the technology side? Come to think of it, the training that you get in business administrations actually would be helpful to you, or it was helpful to me even within my uh, pharmacy clinical practice. One of the assignments that I have as a young pharmacist was being the clinical trials pharmacist. Way back there, we I did a lot of IRB work and you know handling clinical trials. So some of the you know organizations skills that you've learned in MBA as to how to execute a business plan, how to put together one, you know, how to get others to comment on the plan and how to basically go back to your plan and look to see what you could improve to make your operations better were some of the skills that I applied into running the clinical programs uh, for oncology at um, uh, John Stotter Cancer Center back in Iowa. Um, now, later on in my career, I find that the trainings in the business had helped me to have critical thinking, uh, realistic thinking about ideas and programs that we want to execute. It gives me a level of um, 
comfort in seeking other opinion, be able to listen and be able to change your plans, uh, sometimes drastically from the original plan in order to take a project to success. Yeah, that's actually one thing that um, I think uh, like students who are new to Pharmacy for Max may not realize is the amount of projects that, you know, you would be on. There's a whole maintenance piece too, but um, there's also the juggling of different projects. And I think you also had experience as a, your actual title was a project manager, right? Yeah, that was one of the uh, role that I have in my past life. I consider myself a lifelong learner, and so I'm really curious. So, you know, as um Within a role that I have, if there is a particular issues that I'm really passionate about, I will talk to people who would work in that area, you know, ask them questions about, you know, how would they go about doing that? What kind of tools do they have? What kind of training do they have? And basically with the curiosity mentality, you get to learn a lot from the folks around you. And that's how I get into project management, you know. Um, Halfway through uh, my career, I've got a chance to, you know, lead a pretty large teams of pharmacists, nurses, and physicians um, together with the uh, sharp healthcare team to basically change our, our EMR in anticipations of the opening of a brand new um, paper light hospital. So. At this point, projects management skill just become very, very essential in the in the goal that I have picked is to work with this team to get us to from a paper chart environment to a paper light or paperless environment. That journey took us about two and a half years, but it was one of the most rewarding experiences that I've had in my career. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> having so many projects like that, especially during like the implementation, like it's it's like a really eye opening experience. And I, I really agree with you in a sense that it is a life changing moment. Uh, I, I guess to share for me is that I started off my career as on a build team to go live with Cerner. Uh, for a big institution. So I, I kind of understand what you meant. And then I also wanted to talk about a little bit on your steps after that, your, your role after that, which uh, I'm very interested in hearing because you served as an integration architect for a number of years. And to me, I always look up as integration architect is the person I go to for everything, like for anything I need to know about how this is going to be working with other solutions. I, I want to know, like, how did you get into that, you know, role, like getting up to the integration architect then at that role? Like, how did your experience with the, just the pharmacy systems, how did that help out? And then what other uh, skills and, you know, knowledge you needed to gain to, to continue to be successful in that role? That's a great question. So, Tony, integrations architect for Cerner's is one of the fun roles that I have um, have in the past. So I started out with first, you know, understanding FarmNet and PowerChart. Right? So those are basically the two modules that you and others, uh, clinical informaticists are basically working with, right? So, so with me, my experience is that after learning the two, I've also learned about FirstNet, uh, learning the core services and device integrations. 
Right. These are the basic building blocks of understanding Millennium Core. And, you know, every one of them has contributed to, you know, understanding how all of these modules work together. Um, beyond applications, you also need to understand the infrastructure of IBUS and CareAware. But the fun things is that once you have the fundamental understandings of all of the applications, being a Cerner integration architect means that you get to play with domain strategy. And it's really awesome. This is one of the biggest and most awesome puzzle that I've ever worked with. Um, domain strategy, now, as you know, is basically a roadmap for how an organization is going to support, maintain, and build their project uh, within the Cerner platforms. So with being the integration architect, you also need to understand and learn about package management and code management. And beyond that, you also need to learn some skill in portfolio management. For example, you know, you got to know that given any fiscal year, you have to know from your governance perspective how many projects, whether that is supporting projects or, um, you know, new capital projects are going to come in into your department or the, you know, for your organizations. How do they all need to have their own timeline, their requirement from code perspective, their requirement from an upgrade perspective and um, capital perspective, how you take all of that information and, and put it in all together with your timeline of how many times do you really want to take a down times? How do you provide service to your clinicians without, you know, causing them so much distress, but still could, in, could put in a lot more of the projects that you're ambitious to do over the, the, over the year. So, you know, being the integration architect is basically being right in the middle part of it all, understanding things from your applications analyst, understanding the requirements from your technical analyst, understanding from Sona vendor themselves as to which technologies and which applications available, and most important, understand the need of the organizations and the users. But now, as you can see, with all of these puzzle pieces, once you get the domain strategies happen, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's it's almost like when, you know, you talk to me about how you record an album, right? This It's like when you're all done with all the orchestrating and you have this beautiful product in front of you and you get to, you know, make it more and more revised and optimized with every passing day and every passing project. Now, I just described that like it is actually an art <laughs> and not an IT job. <laughs> Maybe that was a little too much love on the technology on my side. Oh, no, like I, I totally agree. There's just so many moving parts. That's why like I always like respect like how an integration architect can oversee and, you know, just make sure things are going uh, the way they should. Because it's, it's like you have to know, you know, parts of everything. And um, I don't think I could ever do that job. It's uh, it's already like hard enough for the, the pharmacy uh, technology pieces, you know. But, uh, you know, the other thing I want to talk about, too, is uh, when you were at Sharp, from my understanding, I think I read some articles about this a few years ago, too, is Sharp has a very, very robust pharmacy um, informatics and IT team, right? Like there's, what, over 10, maybe 11 or so pharmacists? 
Yeah. Now I don't remember anymore how many we have in total, but uh, you know, uh, Shop Healthcare is a great place to work, and um, and you know, each hospital basically would have a couple of what we used to call the database manager, but that really is pharmacist informatics, right? So they take care of um, things that are within the EMR. They take care of things that are pharmacy automation, such as, you know, Pixis, Alaris, and Abacus, and the like, right? And um, they really are really innovative in trying to make all of these systems integrate together, and that is no small task. You know, and that is on the pharmacy side. On the IT side, we also have pharmacists and pharmacy technicians that work within the IT department to build um, power chart, to build PharmNet, and especially to build clinical decision support that would help all of our clinicians to practice at the top of their licenses. Yeah, that, that's that's really cool because it's uh, very tough to be like a a generalist like uh, for me I, I do have to know a lot of the general things our team is about three more like yeah three and a half uh ftes of pharmacists mm-hmm. so we we actually end up having to cover each other a lot and be a lot more generalist um mm-hmm. i i think it's really cool that when you were that at the sharp there was a, there's a large team so there can be people who are specialized in certain things right Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we always, um, as a team cover for each other and not just within pharmacies, but also in nursing, you know. So, so when, um, a nurse, you know, chart on the bar and have questions is not necessarily a nursing questions. You know, when you troubleshoot it at the end of it, it was a pharmacy questions or it was something that a pharmacist, uh, analyst within PharmNet can fix or make better. So, you know, as we go through the uh, journeys of integrating everything together, it's really to the end user. It doesn't really matter which module you're working with, right? So everything in the background needs to function in the perfect harmony to get your user the best experience possible. Yeah, awesome. That That's really cool. And, you know, after your role as integration architect, uh, you also went into some managerial type of roles still at Sharp. Can you kind of describe those? Because I think like uh, they they sound like they're different, but at the same time, I think they still bleed over in terms of responsibility, right? So I think uh, you, had, you were manager for Sterner Pharmacy Program Services and then manager for uh, nursing and physician services and then uh, nursing services and clinical decision support. And they, they seem to to be different titles, but do the roles actually cross over a lot, like the responsibilities? So the reason that, uh, so that was fun. That was a fun ride, right? Um, you know, we put the systems in and of course, after you put it in, what do you do with it? You need to spend time optimizing it, right? And as you see that the progressions of my role is basically the optimizations of the services that we currently have. So I don't know if you would reflect this upon your experience as your facilities, but once you put in an EMR, then we start looking at KPI, right? Key performance metrics. And we're like, okay, where do we um, need to improve the most on? And um, undoubtedly, everybody go into reports, right? Because when you build a systems, report normally is the last thing that you do. Um, well, in fact, when you're thinking about it, you should build everything with the report in mind. But, um, you know... <laughs> 
sometimes within the project, <laughs> within the project timeline, you don't get all the time in the world to do that. So that's, that's what we did, right? We understand that in order for us to monitor, you know, um, how, how well we did in such an arena, we need to have robust report or robust monitoring tool to tell us where did we do well? Where we we may have opportunities for improvement, and as medications, you know, would um, have a big presence in all workflow in all the physician, nurses, pharmacists, and uh, physicians. That was where we looked at the the closest, right? So that was my my first role when I take on um, a teams, you know, and there was a team of about ten to twelve people then, um, and we did that. What I would say is that the general responsibilities may be the same because in a manager role, you always have the role to accelerate deliverables to your users, right? Takes care of all of your team members so that they their work could be meaningful and their practice at the top of their ability. And number three is, is to basically carry out the visions that um, leadership has had, right? So those are three ro- three goals that you would see that in any um, positions as leader of the people or leader of the team, you always overlap, not overlap, but those are the goals that you need to carry out. It's just that the content within under each role is going to change as you build the content knowledge and domain knowledge over different areas of expertise. So that's sort of my, you know, progressions. And, and after, um, I did that with the pharmacy and programming team, then it's time to take on, uh, barcode management, you know, BMs, um, BCMAs, right? And that was a big thing then with the nursing and physicians. So I move on and do that and also do a lot of clinical decision support with the physicians teams, um, start doing physician documentations with power note and dynamic documentations and and then we got into this whole train of meaningful use do a lot of integrations you know pump integrations and um, nuance integrations and all of these device integrations with the um, fiddle strips management and the phones so it just never stops and Basically, I, I did, you know, pick up one piece after another. It was a really fun ride. Yeah, no, it sounds like it's, uh, it's fun. Like for me, same thing, uh, where I'm always learning something new every day. Like there's, there's always something that comes up that's, it's like, oh, cool. I didn't know that. Now I could use it for like future things. And I guess like that's, uh, it's a smaller scale than what you did, but it's like the nice thing about the role, right? The nice thing about like being in, using technology in healthcare is that it's always changing you're always learning new things so it's like at least for me like that's why i like it and i'm not ever like bored with what i'm doing because it's always like new and challenging absolutely and i know that we concentrated a lot within you know the pharmacist the nurse and the uh, physicians within healthcare but if you think about it there is a lot more than that right the care teams comprise of a team of lots of people so i've also enjoyed working with the respiratory therapist you know working with the lab people in pathnet you know building out those uh, interface 
um, you know, and M pages working with the RabNet folks. And um, when meaningful news come, you know how there's a push that we all need to talk to each other. So that was great fun at the integration architect to get to work with the leader of each of our module. And to top it off, uh, my love has always been with population health. Is um, You would see that I love to transfer knowledge from one place to another. You know, it's silos of the clinical expertise that we work with. And to just take it out to from, you know, one community helping each other and sharing knowledge so that when a person, you know, takes on a project similar with something I did or my team did, my wish was to have those people don't have to relearn under the lessons that we have learned in the past. Make it a little bit easier for them, you know, share a little knowledge, learn a little something from everybody. Yeah, so so I, I guess like the next point of your career was you, you switched over to being on the vendor side. And I, I was wondering, like, what kind of like made you decide that that was the right time that you wanted to switch to your, you basically went to BD and became a director for uh, product management, so technical product management. So what kind of like pushed you towards that direction or made you know that, hey, this is the time that I can actually do this and I want to do this now? So I have loved every minute of my career at Sharp. It's a large organization and I was lucky enough that I have a great relationship and lots of mentors, you know. Shout out to my CMIO that is still there, Dr. Rick Lemoyd. Um, he has a, a lot of influence in the way that I zigzag through my career at Sharp. And the reasons for, you know, me taking on something different is that I've always feel like, um, you know, the majority of my career was in nonprofit, you know, and on the user side, on the facilities facility size, so to speak. And I've always wondered, you know, how could I gain experience on the other side, in the vendor side? And um, I've done the EMR and integrations from the EM EMR side for a while. And I thought that uh, with BD being right in San Diego and the ability to take a look at pharmacy and pharmacy automations was a good experiment to have, you know, to, to see and gain expertise on yet a different domain knowledge. So that was one of the reasons is curiosities. And the other things is that I wanted to force myself to grow where I'm not comfortable, where I go from being an expert, um, being very comfortable in my own skin to have to learn a new things and push myself to basically thrive in a different environment, um, you know, with a lot of the support from the leaders that I had at Sharp, you know, I I, uh, I left I left home so to speak, uh, with the promise that sometimes in the future I will come back. <laughs> so, so that's why I went to BD, and at BD I get to work with teams of amazing pharmacists. Uh, shout out to Dr. Dennis Triple and Dr. Chris Urbanski who are the two amazing people that I've got to have great relationship with and still talking to um, on a regular basis till now. So learn how to build software, how to talk to engineers, which is different than talking to IT people. And I have enjoyed the vast experiences with talking to basically all of our customers, which was um, 
you know, previously my peers um, on the the, the custom uh, on the uh, facility side. So that was also great fun and learning experiences. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so in your role, I know you had two roles at BD. So, what was your mm-hmm. like? Um, I, I guess your day to day for the the roles that you had. Mm-hmm. So the day to day, I would tell you that no day is repeated with each other. So I am a organizer. I'm sure you, um, you know, being a pharmacist, you probably have some of that, um, you know, organizing and being quote unquote OCD in you. Normally, I would plan out my times about 30 to 40, 45 days ahead of times with all of the routine tasks to be done in the afternoon. Um, you know, I leave about an hour in the very early morning, at six, six o'clock in the morning to, you know, catch up on work or things that develop at night times or in the late afternoon, try to see, you know, how am I going to organize my days, um, you know, based on which problem do you need to solve first, you know, what is urgent and what is meaningful, those problems get to be solved first. So um, a typical day, if I could call anything typical, is, you know, to prioritize the issues that have arisen during the past days of work, um, you know, trying to get together with the stakeholders of how are we going to solve that problem today? You know, so that's always go first. The second things that I do is for projects and projects health in everything that we do. Where, what do I need to do? What does my team need help removing barriers so that they would be able to carry on with their work? You know, the third part of this is that how do I work with uh, my peer nurses, physicians, and uh, pharmacists across the platform to, you know, learn more about things that they currently do in their projects that may contribute to or um, synergistic to the work that I currently did, you know, within the month or 45 days. So the days is always changing. Um, you know, sometimes we get called by the teams into uh, questions that they have that would just come up. A lot of times we go into a discussion with customers to talk about how we would build a future together. And I must say that's the part that I enjoy the most. The most is to talk to the customers, you know, to discuss with them about how some things is what it is today, but we could do it a little bit better to bring more value to the bedside users. That's a pretty general answer to your question. Does, does that help you to get, you know, a feel of what we do on a daily basis at the vendor side? I think one of the things that I could say that was most wonderful about it is that you're never bored. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, I think the big challenge is just like... um uh, students who, you know, students or pharmacists who don't know much about pharmacy informatics, they don't have a clear understanding of the difference between, um, you know, the traditional informatics when you're working at an institution versus like working at a healthcare vendor like uh, your time at BD. So it, even though it was general, it was still enough of a explanation, I think, that will kind of clarify that confusion that some people do have about that. Um, so 
So yeah, so actually, I'm going to, you know, talking about students and people who are interested in pharmacy informatics. Do you have any particular advice for um, those kind of people who are looking to learn more or they're curious about how they get their foot in the door for informatics or, you know, healthcare IT? Are there any particular steps that you think that they should be doing right now? Yes, uh, informatics and healthcare ITs um, continue to be my love, um, you know, and I know that with our podcast that we did yesterday with the panel, there's a lot of interest, you know, uh, students and uh, during my years, I've been precepting quite a few students in clinical informatics and I even have a couple of fellows that have worked with me. So I would offer the advice that I gave to, to my students and, and my fellows before to, you know, folks who are listening. Number one, know what it is that you're passionate about. Know what it is that you want to do. It may be murky at first, but continue to think it through. You know, dedicate just about 30 minutes of the time. Just imagine yourself when you achieve your dream. How would that look like? What would that feel like? There's no, still not, um, you know, very structured information about exactly what to do to get into informatics. But what I would say is break it down into little things that you could do every day. You know, so if you would like to be an informatics um, in the arena of the EMR, you know, do a little search to see what are the EMR vendors that are out there. Pick one that's most, um, you know, calling out to you and research that firm. See what their vision of, uh, you know, what their statement, uh, vision statement is. See how they operate, you know. Try to go to LinkedIn and see, do you know anybody that worked there? You know, call them up, ask them for a 10, 15 minutes to talk to you about how to get there. Because little things like that that we could do, you know, um, after a little while would help you solidify what it is that you will want to do. I know a lot of my colleagues who are always uh, very generous with their terms and want to help out with folks who are who have a passions about informatics. Awesome. That was really good advice. Uh, if anyone wanted to reach out to you, maybe to ask you questions or ask for some mentorship, mm-hmm. maybe personal mentorship, I'm not really sure, but you know, uh, what's the best way that they can contact you at? You know, I recently get um, to work with you, Beju and, and, and David with uh, uh, Pharmacy um, Informatic Academies, right? And so I think you guys did a wonderful job in trying to consolidate the resources that we have out there and bring that to the audience, the interested audience. And um, I would say LinkedIn is the best way to get a hold of me. You can uh, search my uh, profile on LinkedIn and just, you know, reach out for a connections. You know, you guys, Tony, yourself, Beju, and David are also good resources for people to connect through the Pharmacy Informatics uh, Academy. And, um, and always a shout out to my nurses and my physicians, right? There are also a lot of nurses and physicians informaticists that uh, would be you know, glad to talk to any of the, anybody about their stories and how they got into this. So feel free to drop me a light and, um, you know, I check my LinkedIn quite often and, uh, you know, I will try to get you to, um, get to pair up with somebody that have similar interests with you. Awesome. Thank you for that. I'll be putting a link to your LinkedIn in the uh, show notes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time to be on the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tony. Glad to be here.